John, major news about one of the biggest characters that we discussed on the pod. And Andrew, you're coming today with some updates on the Big 12 and MLS. Sniff it around. <laughs> Put our crack creative team to work on that one. I like sniffing around. And we're back. The Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran. Our good buddy there, John Arad. The media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. And John, today, me and you, uh, we're going to cut it up. We got a little newsy stuff. Uh, and we'll break down a lot of things. I'm going to have a question of the week at the end of the show. Next week, our guest is scheduled, J.J. Reddick of ESPN. J.J. Reddick. Who approved J.J. Reddick? You go on Coach K's show, and now we got J.J. Reddick. I'm taking down my Oriole coat in the background. I'm going to put up a big Maryland flag. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, are we, how many podcasts are you doing this week? <laughs> we did. Me last week. Last week, we had the bonus pod, the live pod with the Amando Mojitos uh, out there. Uh, you can download it if you want to, but just one this week. And let's get right into it, Andrew. Who's up? Who's down? Who's up? Who's down? John, my who's up for this week is Sarah Langs of MLB Network, MLB.com, and ESPN. Uh, I did a long feature on Langs. Uh, she is an incredible story, an inspirational story. Uh, she's 29. Uh, she was the first woman analyst on an all-female broadcast for Major League Baseball last year on YouTube. Uh, she um, has been diagnosed with ALS, which is very rare uh, for someone so young and a woman. Uh, but I've spent a lot of time on this story about a month that you know just came out this week. And she's incredible. And she's still working. Uh, she's at the winter meetings in San Diego this week. And this was her on MLB Network after the Mets moved to get Justin Verlander after they lost Jacob deGrom. My first thought was, which DeGrom are they going to get? We know when he is pitching, he is a Hall of Famer. There's absolutely no question. But we don't know with the injury history, whether he will be around enough to make enough of an impact. John, after you do a story like that and you spend so much time on a subject, um, you get a little bit attached and just... Uh, just very impressive. Her attitude is just unbelievable. Uh, and just like Lou Gehrig, uh, and there's some interesting anecdotes with her, uh, you know, about Lou Gehrig in the story. She sounds like someone who's lucky, even though she's, you know, facing a very difficult illness. That was a good who's up, Andrew. I'm going to uh, go to the uh, business executives. I'm going to make it Mike Beard of Fox. Mike is a head of distribution at Fox. And if there's been one theme that we have been pounding on since we started this podcast is about distribution. Cable uh, networks are losing a lot of subscribers, including Fox and FS1. But uh, Mike Beard over the past couple of months has been in some uh, fights with Dish Network and with DirecTV. And even though these networks are losing subscribers, it's good to be a distribution executive at a big programmer like Fox it was funny to me when DirecTV started to try to fight Fox and Fox had the World Cup and then they had the NFL and then more NFL and then college football is a never ending tide and these distributors know it. So on one hand, 
every, they, they have, the Fox has no leverage because they're losing subscribers and everybody's going to streaming. But on the other hand, they have all the leverage in the world because these, these distributors, they can't afford to lose ABC, ESPN, Fox, Fox News, uh, CBS and Viacom uh, and, and NBC. It's a, it's a pretty good business to be in. Yeah, you can't give people another excuse who might be thinking about cutting the cord to cut it, you know, if you if you uh, upset them. So uh, good for Mike Beard um, getting a who's up uh, from John Oran. All right, my who's down, Adam Schefter. Uh, this Sunday or Saturday night and then into Sunday, he reported, according to sources, that Deshaun Watson has shown signs of progress uh, in his rehabilitation. Uh, the problem with the story is Deshaun Watson has not will not talk about what he's done or you know if he's different than he was he really hasn't expressed that much um uh contrition uh for his you know why he was suspended which if you don't know uh was because he was with uh tens and tens of masseuse who all alleged the same thing uh that he um made them uncomfortable i don't know if, if the term should be sexual assault or sexual harassment uh but uh it was bad it's terrible and that's why he got such a long suspension uh by the nfl and a fine uh but i don't see Schefter on the day deshaun watson is coming back it did feel like and you know maybe this isn't the case it felt like he was holding the water for deshaun watson there are no examples of what it means like has he not harassed anybody's deshaun watson is that progress like what does that mean and nobody on the record and i think if a source says that to you you have to say i can't do this if you want to go on the record and say it fine put your name to it that's fine but adam schefter put his name to it so he's the one saying it and it just didn't feel right uh i was not alone in, in feeling that way um and look i don't know if there's quid pro quo or how that works schefter does some good work you know like but this case, I just think when he wades into these waters, he seems to struggle. I'm surprised ESPN even ran that story without being like, like, what are we saying here? There's no substance. Yeah, if you say that, you have to source it. You have to source it. Because I'm sure there are people in his camp that are saying that. But they, yeah, like you said, that's a... Uh, and, well, and also, to me, it's like Deshaun Watson has to talk. You can't just say it. If he's not willing to speak and he can talk about privacy, this, that, and the other thing, fine. That's fine. He doesn't, there doesn't need to be that story. I don't, I also don't think it really, I don't see how that story moves anything forward. Like what are, why are we to believe this? Andrew, my who's down. I feel like we should have some uh, music to go along with this because it, it is Chris Ripley of Sinclair, which is no surprise to uh, people that listen to this podcast, but this may be the final time Chris Ripley is a who's down on the Marshan or in uh, sports media podcast. And that's because this week, David Preshlak, a former executive with ESPN and NBC, was installed as CEO of Diamond Sports, and Diamond Sports runs the uh, the RSNs that are they're owned by Sinclair. And as part of that, the creditors and the the independent board that oversee Diamond Sports stripped away all uh, uh, the Sinclair from op uh, operational oversight over the RSNs. So they still do some things like uh, handle distribution and. They're part, they, they, they do, do some of the ad sales as well. But Chris Ripley now is not, he's part of the independent board at Diamond Sports, but he's not overseeing these RSNs. Uh, everything that going, uh, having to do with the RSNs are running through the creditors. They're running through David Preschlack now. And it's a, it's a new era over there at, at Diamond Sports and the Valley Sports RSNs. Blue time.
props to Chris Mason because I think uh, giving Chris Ripley the proper acknowledgement with We Are the Champions by Queen uh, because he has been the champion of the Who's Down. <laughs> that is monumental. What show is this? Counting bonus shows or in the... <laughs> what, Podcast... What Podcast history has been made today, Andrew Marchand. Uh, I mean, Chris Ripley. Wait, so we will not discuss Chris Ripley anymore after today? I'm sure he's going to wind his way in, but uh, no longer will uh, Rob Manfred be saying mean and nasty things about uh, Chris Ripley uh, moving forward on the record anyway. Just for the record, this is our 63rd episode, counting bonus pods uh, of the pod. So 63 episodes uh, I don't know. We might have to look up how many who's down. We have Chris to do Ripley. our research. Get our researchers involved. He, he we has need been, Chris Ripley on. He needs to be able to defend himself. He has been a who's up before too. He has a who's up, but yeah, predominant who's down. This podcast has not been good for Chris Ripley. I build. I, I tear them down only to try to build them up la uh, later. Later on, Andrew. Yeah, I think it's the opposite. But go ahead. <laughs> hey, sorry. Let's get into the topics and. For the listeners, and, Andrew and I, uh, usually the night before, sometimes the morning of, we go through the the rundown and we we set up, you know, the topics that we're going to talk about. And I just got an email saying topic one is the Pac-12 deal. I have no idea what's coming, Andrew. Tell me. This is what happens also. First off, we did the rundown and it was all John Ties. Like, I don't have enough stuff here. So I made some calls. And so Pac-12, <laughs> MLS, we'll go into both those. All right. So first off, let's go with the Pac-12 and where that stands. Uh, their commissioner, George Kleofkloff, said- You know, to make that easier, Andrew, you could just call him George K, I think. Yeah. Commissioner K said a TV deal won't come to next year. So you say, why, right? Um, number one, they're waiting. Hopefully, they're hoping for a Hail Mary on UCLA, which- may not be the best thing that happens to them because that could open up other floodgates. So let's just say that doesn't happen. Uh, UCLA goes to the big uh, 10. Uh, there's a tepid market for them. Uh, they have ESPN and Amazon. There's probably a deal for them to do with both of them. Um, and then with the PAC 12 network being absorbed digitally by either ESPN plus or Amazon. Uh, but the money they're going to get is going to be similar to the big 12. That's what's out there. They've looked at themselves as like the bar is the big 10 and, um, and the sec. And that's not the case. I mean, they had a nice rating this weekend, pac 12 championship, 6.23 million viewers. That's the highest on Fox in 11 year history. One problem is you USC was one of the teams versus Utah USC is on the way out. So that's an issue for them. And, there's first I'll let you say that and there's more I want to get into the possible expansion of other conferences and how that happens because of what's going on with the Pac-12. Well, I am uh and I always have been. I've been really bullish on the Pac-12's uh media future. Uh and my my vision of it doesn't look any different than than yours. Of course they weren't going to get uh the the Big 10 or the SEC type of deals. Those are the two biggest college conferences. And then for the the group of five, you're, 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 or the power five, you have the other three conferences, the ACC, the Big 12, and, and the Pac-12. And the Pac-12 is going to get something that is comparable to the ACC and the, and, and the Big and the Big 12. And uh, re regardless of, of whether UCLA and USC are, are, are in or not. Right now, yeah, uh, only UCLA will be affected by this Board of Regents decision, which most people don't think it has much of a chance, but you never know. We both have reported that ESPN and, and, and Amazon are, are interested. Um, I know Fox is interested at a certain level. You know, again, uh, I, I know that NBC could be persuaded. 
at a certain level as well. But nobody, but you see that the problem for the Pac-12 is that at a certain level. That means nobody's breaking the bank, right? Oh. The product, it's a good product, but it's not a great product. And so, especially when you look as compared to the Big Ten and the SEC, uh, and this is where I think if I'm the Pac-12, I'm a little bit, I got to just watch my back a little bit because well, first off, Dennis, that was the one from CBS who said, watch out. If UCLA does have to stay, then the Big Ten might get other uh, go for other universities. And here's the thing that I think when you talk about college expansion and we've talked about how it doesn't really make sense with the TV deals. But this is how it could make sense. If there are universities who are willing to join the Big Ten or the SEC in the future at 60 percent on the dollar which is more money that maybe they're getting in a deal. And I'm not sure for how long that would be if they're willing to do that 60, 70% on the dollar. So what I'm saying is they would not get a full share of the big 10 money or the sec money, but they would get more money than they're getting now. That's where there could be an issue. And when you talk about the possibility of expansion in the future and how that works, and again, that wouldn't be a lot of teams necessarily, but it could be some teams. Now there's one team. Notre Dame is the one team. Uh, that's the, for more than 60% of the dollar. Yeah, that, that, that's going to be for 100 cents on the on, on the dollar. Um, under more, under more than 100 cents, probably. I've talked to administrators in, w- within the, the, the Big Ten. Uh, Michael Smith, SBJ's college reporter, has, uh, you know, has, has talked about this. There is, outside of Commissioner Kevin Warren, there seems to be no momentum for bringing in new teams outside of UC, UCLA and, and USC because they don't see where bringing in new teams is going to is going to increase the amount of media money that they get. They're, they're just going to be dividing the the same pie or a little bit more pie among more teams. It doesn't make a ton of financial sense for an Ohio State to want to bring in you know Oregon and Washington to to, to name two because uh, it, it's just not going to it's not going to increase the revenue enough to make to make that worthwhile to them. Yeah, and that's been my position too. So and I, and I stick to it. I'm just saying how expansion possibly could happen. And that's the way, you know, if, if forward is, is if teams, if there's more shakeout, if the UCLA thing happens where they have to stay, which is unlikely, but if it does happen, then does the big 10 bring in somebody like, you know, Washington or Oregon or Colorado with Deion Sanders. And are they willing to take 60 cents on the, at least, you know, maybe for this deal and then you're a full member of the next deal that's possible. Um, but you know, th- there's some creativity that could happen. So I think you have to be a little careful um, about it if you're the PAC 12. All right, let's move to the next one. This is another topic that just appeared on, on the rundown MLS. And I've been a, a total fan of this MLS Apple deal for MLS for Apple, you have new news. What is it, Andrew? Uh, I think that their linear deal is trending towards just being with Fox and no, and no ESPN. Um, you know, I think the issue has been that because uh, Apple's all-inclusive, uh, they want those games to have all the Apple branding. Of course, they'll be available on Apple. You know, for ESPN, they have a streaming service. Uh, do they want to promote Apple's streaming service and not, you know, I, I don't even think be, will they even be allowed to put on their own streaming service? So I think that's trending towards, you're going to have a deal with Fox FS1 uh, for MLS and not with ESPN. That's not, I'm not saying it's hundred percent done, but that's where that's going most likely. Uh, and uh, that's what I foresee. Look, I'm, I'm big on themes of the pod, Andrew. And, and one theme of this pod is about how, Sports business is a very relationship-based business. 
because if if you're if you bring an outside consultant in to to give advice to Fox or to ESPN, it would be to run. You know, unless you get these exclusively, unless you get it for pennies on the dollar. I think Fox may be getting that. That's where I think that's happening. I, you know, MLS had wanted a significant amount of money, significant being relative. It's, you know, they're not, you know, they took the Apple deal because it was much, much more than what Fox and ESPN were just offering originally uh, when they had a chance to keep Apple out. And so it's, you had to take the Apple deal. It's way more money. But uh, I do think that, this deal, from what I understand, uh, Fox can live with the Apple branding because I don't think the financials are that high. No, they can't be at that all. high. If and, at and all. If at all. Like, it might be no financials. And then ESPN out, which you could argue, okay, you don't need ESPN. You have I, I would want ESPN in if I'm MLS. And I have Messi. We like Messi. We like what that could do for global subscriptions. But in terms of growing the league domestically, which is still important, Messi's only going to play for two, three years at the most, right? And he might not even, you know, also the other problem with the only thing with the Messi thing, if he starts to slip or he's not really that into it, it might not be such must-see TV after a year or so. Yeah, I kept getting questions about uh, what's taking so long with the, with these deals. Why is it taking so long? And I think MLS wanted a higher price than the network certainly were, were yep. will, willing to pay. Uh, there, of course, was all the Apple branding. Oh, you're, you're, yeah. Are you in agreement with me that this is the way it's going to go? The last time I checked in on this, which is uh, several weeks ago, uh, ESPN was still uh, confident that they were going to get something um, and, and get something done. So I'm so, not saying uh, it's done. I'm just saying trending, trending, yeah, strong yeah. trends. Well, it's it's this is like the Sunday ticket uh, thing. This is these negotiations have been going on for so long, Andrew. Something's something's up. So if if that's what you're hearing, I I bet it's uh, I bet it's on target. Thank you for having faith faith in me. <laughs> hey, I'm Team Marchand. You know that. Uh, I want to hit one of your not pet peeves, but the World Cup. Yeah. Um, I've not been a, a, a huge consumer of it. I've watched a, the U.S. games and I've had that the odd game on here or there. I have noticed Fox's coverage getting bashed in uh, publications, getting bashed on social media and getting bashed to us in my conversations with you. Have they gotten any better? Not really. Uh, you know, the, they to me, their philosophy, which is to kind of appeal to a broader audience, uh, hasn't worked. But even on the particulars, the easy stuff, at the end of the group stage, the way it works is that you have two games going simultaneous. You're a group of four in each group, and you have two games going simultaneous. And the why it's why it's such a nice setup is because in general, almost in all occasions, both games matter in some degree for some point. So a simple thing like not having the other score on the scoreboard is something that they didn't do, right? Just again, you don't have to have it as big, but look at what CBS does during March Madness with all the scores up at the same time. There's things you could do that can be, that wouldn't affect the view that much. It doesn't have to be big. They also did a really poor job and this incredibly poor job. They're broadcasters in terms of the beauty of the last day of the group stage is that each goal means something, right? If uh, the U.S. scores, okay, it means something against Iran. What needs to happen? They they don't. They didn't overall. I'm not that. I'm just using that example. I'm not kind of John Strong and uh and Stewart 
um, Holden did that game. I'm not saying them, but just in general, they did not do a good enough job of like that. That's the tension. And, and they just, those type of little things. And then on the pregame show, besides the fact there's a advertisement for Qatari tourism, like literally two to three minutes each pregame show uh, where they had Alexei Lawless and Stuart Holden doing some, I'm sure they were thrilled about having to do that. Uh, uh, you know, about uh, horses and in Qatar. Besides that, I get it. They kind of look at it like they do their, um, you know, their Fox NFL Sunday. It's a little bit more of a broader audience, laughing, having fun, not getting the minutia. But the soccer audience in the middle of the day, mostly weekdays, the people who are tuning in for this are people who are interested in it. And I just don't think they fundamentally understand who that audience is. And even if they they have data that says, well, there's a lot of people who aren't interested in soccer, that still doesn't mean you can't tell the stories better um, and tell me tactical things and make it digestible. There's a way, like Marv Albert was great at this in his career. He would say things very uniquely, but if you didn't know basketball, he he would, his, his terminology, you'd be able to understand it. And that, I mean, obviously Marv's one of the greats of all time, but that's what you, uh, Fox is lacking, that nuance where you're appealing to the really um, person who's into it and also make it understandable for uh, someone who maybe is not tarred, but they're not doing a good job at it at all. All right, so let me defend Fox uh, for a second. TV ratings. These ratings are through the roof for yep. all the games. Uh, so so people that generally, if you're upset, if you're a casual fan and you're upset with how people are presenting it, you're turning it off. That doesn't appear to be happening. If you're a casual fan, you're saying you're turning it off. Look, if you're a rabid fan, you're watching no matter what, right? Or you're maybe you're going to Telemundo. It's the you're world casual. Cup, though. You're, but you're acting as if this is like... Um, La Liga, which is a great league, but that's more of a niche. This is the World Cup. People are interested in this for a variety of reasons. They're interested because of the soccer. That's number one, of course. But there is a people have, you know, I'm French, right? So I'm a little more interested in the French team. There are people, it's there's national pride or where your family's from. Um, if you're um, you know, where they immigrated from to the States, that means something. So I think it's more than just soccer. It's it's just it's like it's like the Olympics, but shouldn't be presented like the Olympics. That would be something else I would say. They they like to try to make it like they're doing the Olympics. Soccer is not like that in this country. Did you just drop something on me? You're French. I have come here to defeat you. Well, welcome to America, amigo. Are, are people that say Andrew Marchand, they're pronouncing your, your name correctly? Yeah, I mean, look, my grandmother lived in France. I mean, I... Uh, yeah, I got the French blood. I think most people know Marchand. Marchand. It should be Andrew Marchand. Say Marchand. All right. Andre Marchand. Uh, there is a sports media podcast in France. Uh, the <laughs> media de sport. We podcast. are the number one sports media podcast on the Côte d'Azur, I'm sure. <laughs> and so and what was my point? I had a point. Oh, I don't know what my point. What was my point? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just fixated on the, uh, that's the first time I knew about the, the French uh, blood in you. Well, in French, Marchand means merchant. So I'm trying to sell this pod. <laughs> Let's go on to the next topics. I'm, I'm pretty excited to do this one. We had Mark Lazarus uh, speak at our Media Innovators Conference. So the, the one that uh, we did our live pod from in New York last week. Mark's the chairman of NBC Universal Television and Streaming and, uh, and, I just thought uh, some of his comments um, really struck me because this is a guy who has a long background 
in cable back in the uh, early 90s. You know, he worked with Ted Turner at, at, uh, at uh, TBS, TNT. He dealt with the NBA there. He hooked on with uh, NBC in the mid 2000s and uh, sort of been with there. There's a, here's a guy who um, is really a traditional TV executive. And he started talking about the just the the change right now from uh, from cable to streaming, uh, which uh, which uh, really I thought was really interesting, and also about how it uh, how it's going to affect the sports business. So Andrew, let's go to a real quick clip uh, right now where uh, Abe Madcore, my boss, was interviewing on on stage and was asking about the rise of streaming, and Mark took that opportunity to talk about why he decided to uh, take NBC Sports Network dark. It's one of the reasons that we um, moved NBC Sports Network and collapsed the, the, the high-end programming there into USA to create one stronger, more powerful cable network as opposed to trying to fill a 24-hour sports cable network that eventually, in very short order, would have, if we had renewed rights, would have been underwater economically, never to be profitable again. And I think our competitors are going to see that sooner rather than later. So shrinking in distributions means shrinking in the ability to generate revenue, which means an inability to pay rights fees in a competitive landscape. So where does that come from? We're doing it with broadcast and streaming. And if you look at our Big Ten deal, that's exactly how that's constructed. What he had talked about there was if they kept a NBC Sports Network, it was profitable, but they were coming up on new rights coming up. They would have to pay more for them. They renewed the rights. The word he used, they would have been underwater economically. Uh, and, and then uh, kind of he, he looked at the Big Ten deal. You know, it's a broadcast deal with streaming. It doesn't it, it doesn't really uh, talk about uh, cable at all. Um, I, I think that the, uh, he's just really illustrated, you know, uh, the, the cord cutting, the um, the number of uh, subscribers that these uh, sports TV networks are getting. And 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 show, just showing like like how he sees the future, which is with Peacock and with streaming services like that. So my question is this: All right, we have a lot of people who are not in the industry, and then we have people who are in the industry. And I have a feeling people at uh, ESPN, people at Fox Sports, are saying, "Wait a second. So my question to you: What is the wait a second? We talk about ESPN and Fox Sports, which, with all due respect to NBC Sports Network. Uh, they're not in the league. They were never in CBS Sports Network, for that matter, as well. They've never been in the league of uh, ESPN, Fox Sports, and Turner Sports. Those three have been clearly, um, they get more fees, they have better products, they're more big time. Uh, so why does it does it definitely apply to them as well, in your opinion? I think it does ap- apply to them because... Look, I know uh, it applies to them, but are they going to be underwater in 10 years or within 10 years? ESPN is making a big bet on ESPN Plus. ESPN, we both agree, sooner than later, is going to make its main channel available to cord cutters, yep. uh, uh, direct to consumer. They are seeing the exact same things that Mark Lazarus is. And if you have any executive out there who would be trying to talk up the cable bundle and talk up cable uh, um, um, subscribers and try, try to boost that up. It's going to be an executive 
whose boss ultimately is Brian Roberts, who owns the uh, the, the, the biggest cable uh, company out there in Comcast. Later on uh, in that interview, Abe Adkor asked uh, Mark Lazarus for his thoughts on the competition coming from streamers, big, deep-pocketed streamers like Apple and Amazon. This was Mark's response. There's going to be more exclusive streaming content. We're, we're doing it with Peacock. Amazon is doing it. Apple's now doing it with MLS. Um, I think the key will be to watch who's, what I'm watching is, you know, certainly is it driving usage and subs? Is it engagement in subs? I mean, I think it's clear, you know, for Amazon, it's driving, you know, I think, I don't know where the number is now, but average, roughly 9 million people per, right. per, night. per, per game on Thursday yeah. nights. Now, that's not what you can get on the reach of broadcast, but it's still a lot of people coming through their system, and they have multiple businesses that I'm sure it benefits. Um, it's one of the reasons we believe having multiple legs to the stool, broadcast cable streaming gives us great breadth across a portfolio. Um, so that's what I'd be looking at the um, usage and, and driving subscriptions. The one sentence that I really want to take away from that, Andrew, is when he talked about having multiple legs to the school, broadcast cable streaming. Amazon, they don't have that broadcast component yet. They're able to amass big audiences like they did for that first Thursday night football game. But as far as getting 100 million people to watch a Super Bowl or even 50 million to watch, you know, whatever, they're not quite there yet. One second. You're saying you how many people if the Super Bowl this year was on Amazon, how many people do you think they would get? You, the question isn't necessarily how many people they would get. It's how many people could Amazon system hold? I don't All think right, Amazon's system is set up to 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 get fair um, enough. Fair really enough. But let's just. But I think they've proven uh, that they probably you know let's well obviously that's not really a fair question then. Let's just go on the assumption that they'd be able to. Have, okay, let's go on the assumption that they yeah. can do it. That first Thursday night game, if it was on Fox, would have probably gotten double maybe. But audiences have to grow though. Like I I, I guess I mean I hear what you're saying and their number we're going to get to this at the end of the podcast with our question of the week from the uh from our audience is that but the numbers grow. Like you know, our podcast we get to see the numbers. They go up thankfully. Uh but like Thank they don't start much. they don't start at where they might be one day. Like and no, this they, is they, they don't but but look over the air television cable got into ESPN at one point was in over a hundred million homes of the 120 uh, of 120 million and ratings on ESPN paled in comparison to the broadcast networks broadcast gets more streaming is going to be certainly the same way at, at some point they're going to be able to handle. agree so you know Jason Kalar uh formerly head of Time Warner Media had an editorial in the Wall Street Journal the other day and, you know, he basically said that what we've said is that there's not enough room for all these streamers. There's going to be winners and losers. And we you kind of can see who the winners and losers might be. Um, but the question is, does a uh, CBS or Fox, do they get eaten up by Apple or Amazon? And are those companies going to be interested in in doing that? Like, is it because this isn't really their core business, which is obviously the scary part for the networks, because this is just sort of like a side hustle that they're saying, hey, do we want to do this or not? It's not really uh, it's a lot of money, especially what Amazon paid for the NFL and what potentially Apple might pay for Sunday ticket, et cetera. But um, it's not what they do. It's just it's part of what they do now. Yeah, two years ago, I thought the path forward was for Amazon, even a year ago, Amazon or Apple to buy a broadcast network and get all those legs of the stool. 
uh, over the past year, it does, they, there has been no interest in these tech companies to get an old media like like yep. uh, broadcast television. It would almost be like having NBC decide, you know, whether they're going to buy, you know, ra- radio signals uh, out there. So unless that starts to change, they're just going to go whole hog with streaming. And the, these other big media companies, are they just feel having those different uh, platforms is going to be really helpful. All right. Before we get to the question of the week, let's go to our final topic um, and combine these three things. And I just want the John Orand um, State of the Union here. We just got into cord cutting. That gets into Chris Ripley's fall um, and then Diamond Sports' change. What does this all mean for me? Right. As you know, and anybody listening, um, this is all about me. OK, uh, <laughs> What is it? No, no, it's not. It's about people. Live. It's about, it's about me. us. It's about no, us. No, 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 it's about no, no. It's about the average person who's watching. What does this mean for us and where it's going with these leagues, with, with how we watch, etc. with the diamond sports move, which impacts people who have Sinclair, who have Valley sports on their system. Uh, we don't happen to have that in uh in the New York region, uh, even though Sinclair does own part of yes. Uh, but what does it mean for people who how they watch in the future or as we go? In the short term, it it mean it means nothing uh, because you're still going to be if you have a cable subscription, you're still going to have your your RSN that you can watch. In the longer term, uh, again at that conference, we had Jimmy Pitaro talk on this. We had Mark Lazarus talk on this. We had uh, Louis Silberwasser of uh, of Warner Brothers Discovery Sports uh, talk on this. You're going to have linear TV. And you're going to have streaming going on a parallel path. So if you're not with, if you're if you're younger and you're not within the pay TV uh, ecosystem, by the way, ecosystem is a word that all my editors would cut out as well. If you're not, if, well, if, they, they, they cut it out because of the ecosystem. Uh, ecosystem, ecosystem. What, what, what I just it, it would know, the, first you know I was French. Now you're pronouncing ecosystem as ecosystem. All right, John, let's go. ECHO system, right? <laughs> this is ecosystem. Echo, echo. But if you're not part, if you're not a pay TV subscriber, uh, you you can you can buy these uh, uh, via streaming. Um, one of the things uh, you know, David, uh, that you should look at uh, uh, what David Preshock is going to be doing going forward. There, there, there are a couple of uh, uh, flashpoints that will really affect how people like in Charlotte will be able to watch the, the, the Hornets. Um, one is, is he going to be able to make nice with uh, uh, Major League Baseball? Because Major League, we've talked about this before. Rob Manfred's uh, like was public in his and uh, how much he um, did not really get along with, uh, with, with Chris Ripley. Is he going to be able to bridge that to the, to the extent to where he does a deal with baseball? And if he does, then that's great. If not, there is a there is a potential, a real potential, that this goes into bankruptcy. And if it goes into bankruptcy, it's possible that the Hornets won't be uh, getting paid by uh, Bally Sports um, uh, Carolina. It's possible that it could affect whether or not Bally Sports is on uh, actually on a uh, cable system uh, down there. So th- th- there are lots of things that can happen that can negatively affect how you're going to be watching the games. But in general, going forward within a couple of years, and nobody knows how many, how long this is going to take, two years, three years, five years, you, you're going to be able to stream the games. Uh, one of the things that Preshlak wanted to do at NBC, and I expect he's going to try to do here, is what they call micro uh, transactions, 
where if you want to watch the last two minutes of the game, you can pay a couple bucks and watch that. If you want to pick 10 games, I just want to watch it the Friday night game. So you pick 10 games, you can buy like a package like that, or you can buy a season season pack. They're, they're, they're looking and testing different things that ultimately could be helpful uh, for the consumer. To me though, like ultimately long-term is that who does that better than anybody? Who do, Apple who do, and Amazon. Like, and you know, maybe Discovery and Disney, and maybe they, they, they'll be become good at that. I think you're playing a little bit into those guys' hands if that's where it goes. Because where would you rather be, right? In, you know, with Amazon or in an app store, if you're selling like this, now maybe you'd be able to sell in those stores, you know, through a Diamond Sports Group. That's potentially, uh, I guess, possible, but they love their 70-30 agreements. Uh, and so I don't know if that would totally work. Uh, but like, I, that's something that, and I think this is kind of a point that uh, Rob Manfred and others in the, you know in these league offices are sort of like, well, yeah, we we want to go direct to consumer, but why do we necessarily want to do it with Sinclair? Like, why they're not necessarily our best partners? And now they don't have to do it with Sinclair; they can do it with Diamond Sports, oh, okay. and they can do it with the, with the creditors that are there. That's that's what makes that uh, that that's why that 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 there's more possibility there for that. I see. All right. Then, but does Diamond Sports, just so I understand this, because I not to sound like so, um, but Diamond Sports, is that just a thing we just made up or is there, there a company behind Diamond Sports? Like do they have an infrastructure? Well, th- this is where it gets all confusing. Uh, Sinclair owns Diamond Sports, okay. but they spun, they spun Diamond Sports out and Diamond Sports now is worth, I'm going to make up some numbers here, but it's worth about $2 billion dollars. But they bought it for you know eight or nine billion, and they have that much debt, and so that's why the creditors own all that debt, and that's why they have so much power in this system right now. This sounds like I am the father. <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me, at least. Um, all right, all right. Let's move to our question of the week. We've had call of the week as a staple, but we've decided that we are still going to do call of the week, but only when we really feel it, because sometimes we've been trying to like just kind of put something in there because it's sort of something to fill in and we want it to be worthy. So when you get a call of the week, it's going to be because it's a great call, not just because we need one. So we're going to switch it up. Sometimes we're going to have question of the week and that's what we're going to do this week. Right, John? Yeah, we're not not going to force it. We had uh, Andrew Stolowitz. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, Andrew, but uh, on Twitter, he describes himself as a Bay Area attorney and an NBA salary cap guru pretty good uh, so he he reached out to both andrew and i on twitter uh and he said that he's heard others say amazon is not going to be able to meet Wait, the time t- out for a second you buried the lead okay he first said always enjoy the pod oh well everybody always enjoys the pod come on <laughs> all right fine go ahead <laughs> yeah he tried to ingratiate himself to us at first no, no, he, he said, did ingratiate us he did uh, always enjoy the pod and then, basically his question is about amazon prom promised advertisers that they were going to get a um 12.5 million uh viewers average per game for Thursday night football they're not they're, they're going to fall short of that uh and so um Andrew asked would uh, Andrew Stolowitz asked would you guys spend a few minutes discussing what that means uh a short and long term and what it means uh I actually reached out to a, a, a good ad sales source of mine who said that? Uh, you take it, John. Uh, what does it mean? It it basically means exactly what it means in uh, linear television. When you fall short, you get make goods, 
And so you're going to see that they have a lot of inventory through December in Thursday night football that they're going to be giving to uh, just giving away to these advertisers because they fell short of uh, of some of those goals. If they run out of that inventory in Thursday night football, they uh, the, uh, Amazon Prime has a ton of programming that also has advertising attached to it. So they can look at it like that, or it could even roll. Amazon has a 10 year deal. It can roll over into the, uh, you know, next, next year's Thursday night football as well. So they're, they're because they fell short of it, uh, that, that almost certainly this means that uh, they're, they're going to be make goods that they're going to have to give to these advertisers that you're going to see elsewhere. Now you answered that perfectly. Hopefully Andrew Stolowitz, uh, enjoyed that. I want to know salary cap guru. I know State, he's out in the Bay Area. Golden State's way over the salary cap, so hopefully he's not working on their salary cap. And so Andrew, I need to know did did the Wizards overpay for Bradley Beal? They did, but I, I from a salary cap guru standpoint. All right, you'll tell 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 John on Twitter. All right, that's gonna do it for this week. Uh, remember, if you can please rate review and follow uh wherever you find your podcast or if you're listening now it's really helpful uh we're told and we appreciate that and then as always chris mason and ac wyatt they're the ones who put this all together and we appreciate their hard work as always and so no bonus pod this week correct no bonus pod but i i gotta get ready i gotta get ready for uh former dookie jj reddick uh next, next week. week there you go all right cool john thanks thanks for listening